Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments, and I hope they'll be useful for you. Now, on to Mimi's question. Hello, please may I ask if it's possible to undergo fresh or frozen cycles while breastfeeding? Thank you. The one concern about breastfeeding is that the hormones can still be disordered. If you've re-established regular periods, monthly periods, then breastfeeding, I would say, doesn't interfere with moving forward to certainly a frozen cycle and even a fresh cycle. I would not be concerned in that scenario. My general advice, though, is to wean off before you go for the next embryo transfer. But I've certainly treated patients and been successful when they were still breastfeeding, provided their periods had returned. Do the hormones you need to take for egg collection alter your mood? The evidence is pretty good that the mood changes are not related to the injections. The mood changes that women suffer are actually related to the stress of the process. When you're going into a cycle, spending a lot of money, but more importantly, building expectations that you're going to be pregnant, that terror that you're not going to get pregnant is the major cause of the anxiety and stress that occurs. There is no doubt, and and some people have actually measured, psychologists measure the levels of anxiety, and they are worse than your HSC exam, that the anxiety levels do rise. My experience has been is that, yes, women do get mood change during a cycle, but interestingly, the hormones probably aren't the driver of that. And I say that because the worst part of the cycle from an anxiety perspective is after those injections have finished and we've collected the eggs and we're waiting to know whether you're going to be pregnant or not. That's the worst time in terms of mood. But women who are going through an IVF cycle, you know, I warn their husbands that um, they're not necessarily going to be the nicest people and (laughs) do need a lot of support on the way through. Yana says, my journey took five years to have a baby. So I had started at 38 years old. So I guess you did answer my question. The chance is very low, isn't it? I'm afraid so. I mean, two in 800 is a very low outcome. Amongst those, we actually had, I think it was seven pregnancies, but that's five miscarriages and two live births. So low chance of getting pregnant, much higher chance of miscarriage. It comes back, and I say this, I probably say this once a week in my clinic, the decisions about going forward at that sort of age um, are really the couples. I don't say no unless I can see there's, it's, you know, someone's menopausal and the odds are zero. But I don't say no. And, and for some people, going through a cycle and proving that you're not going to be able to produce eggs or, not, or the eggs you're going to produce are not good ones, that finalises the journey. I actually think that going through a cycle can be beneficial in reaching that 
decision. I mean, I'm sure you've said it, a, lot, a number of people have said it to you. You're lucky you've got a four and a half year old. What are you thinking about? <laughs> but I know that the driver is there. And I, and, and I can say to patients, I do say to patients, you know, here are your chances. You know, two in 800, they still want to try because they want, when they're 55 years old and looking back, not be in the situation of saying, I wish I'd tried. I think that's such an important point to feel like you've given it everything you've you've got, you could have, and to get closure, if nothing else. And yeah. and one thing's for sure, Yana, you can definitely be assured, at least in my experience, that Prof will tell it like it is. So, <laughs> and and you, you know where you stand, which I think is wonderful. Amy says, is it possible to get blood tests or scans, et cetera, on the same day as a consultation in a clinic turning 40? I'm conscious of my age turning 40, yeah. and we would like information and to start the process as soon as possible. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, what, what you, the day you, you, you came to see me, for instance, that day I would be sending you to our blood collector just up the road and I would do the bank of tests, which would include checking your ovarian reserve and measuring your various hormone levels, doing all the blood tests that are required for uh, the laboratory for an IVF service on both you and your partner. Yes, all in one day, we would knock that over. So if you came to see me, for instance, if you came to see me and your period started three or four days ago, you could be in doing IVF with your next period. Okay. So, Amy, you, you expressed that you would like to get started as soon as possible. So I just want to make sure I've mentioned it. His Prof Chapman's email address is michael.chapman at ivf.com.au so you can email him right away and he will get access to that email he'll probably reply to you and yeah i mean i can i'm happy to answer questions by email as well if you, if you at the end of this you've got other questions to answer somebody sent us a question about uh, being 31 and uh, asking the question i've been trying to get pregnant should i should i go straight to ivf and the answer to that is no now there are clinics around australia who really are set up to just do IVF. Many of the doctors who are in those clinics are not specialist infertility doctors. You know, around Australia, there are around 80 of us who've done the, the extra three years of training to understand all the various ways that we can help patients get pregnant rather than do IVF. So it depends on the problem, of course, and that's the first step, is, is proper investigation. Then uh, after that, uh, at 31, I would certainly be looking at uh, if there's irregular ov uh, ovulation, irregular making of eggs, there's a, there's tablets that will help that and help hopefully get you pregnant. Now, I would say probably 20% of my patients over the years who've got pregnant, I haven't gone near IVF. It's been with other other modalities like tablets. The next step up from that um, is called intrauterine insemination. And if the fallopian tubes are normal and if the husband's sperm is basically normal, um, then doing uh, giving hormones to, to heighten ovulation, monitoring the cycle so we know which day you're ovulating, and then on that day, preparing a small volume of, of the best sperm. What we do with that sperm to, to get the best of them um, is a bit like a swimming race. We take the, the men's sperm, we throw it in at one end of the pool, and we walk up the other end of the pool in an hour's time, and all those guys who are still swimming are obviously the good guys. And we concentrate that sample and then we put that inside the uterus um, in, within hours of ovulation occurring. And that, again, probably 10 or 15% of my patients who've got pregnant have done it through IUI. It's only then we've exhausted those or there's a specific other problem like very poor sperm. 
or absolutely blocked tubes, that's when we go on to IVF. But we won't know that unless we investigate properly. So beware uh, if you are struggling to get pregnant and you go along to a clinic and see a specialist who claims to be a fertility specialist, but they do lots of obstetrics, lots of gynecology, and, and, and IVF is, is their other little bit of doing things. They're not necessarily going to give you the best service. Go to a specialist who does IVF at least 60 or 70% of the time of, of their working life. That's where you'll get your best results. And as I say, many of those will be not with IVF. And someone who has a CREI qualification, do you want to tell us about that, Prof? Yeah, well, I said before, there are 70 or 80 of us that have done those extra three years of training, and that's called a certification in reproductive endocrinology and infertility, which comes from uh, the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists in Australia and New Zealand. It's a specific qualification, very difficult exams, but the person who has that has a very in-depth knowledge, not only of female infertility but male infertility and in genetics which increasingly we're finding is a major issue in all infertility and don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select ivf journey podcast from the navigation menu Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.